0: Those critics are wrong. The doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong again. No ifs or buts. Thank you. Thank you. Settle down. Settle down now. Welcome back to season two, episode one of the Urology Docs podcast. And yes, we are back. Now, I wouldn't be the same if I wasn't joined by the two most irritating men in urology. So please welcome back my co-hosts, of Assan and James Ackman. My name is David Bratt. And as it's been over a year, let's get stuck right into it, shall we? Uh, and talk some urology. Chaps, welcome back. Is this happening? i can't believe we're back we're here we're
1: back band is back no thanks to dave band is back for the brand new rap
0: it's absolutely not my fault absolutely dave, not. It my is fault. Actually, you should definitely come up
2: with another rap rap what? rap you know, you know maybe rapper said why don't you just you know you, you you come on then you do it why would you say that dave you do it what let me guess let let me guess. What? Let me give you an answer there. Did what? you suggest that I should sing a rap because I'm a lyrical genius?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's good to
2: be back. It's good to be back.
0: Uh, uh, I thought that was going somewhere. very. What, you're about to refer me to the GMC? Bad. What was I going to say?
1: Dave, what are you doing? Yeah. You're literally wasting my time.
0: What do you mean? My time is valuable. Your time is not valuable. You've wasted 12 months of everybody else's time listening because you... But the reason we haven't been back for 12 years. No, minutes.
2: no. Do you want me are to go you? into it? Oh, let's to go, go to into it? it. Let's go okay, into fine. it. I think, so think we was... need to go so, it.
0: So, you feeped so off to Canada. What?
2: You to Canada. For one you, week.
0: We were about to record, then you left for Canada. Then you got back. And then we decided to sit part one. Meanwhile, James decided to have a baby. I had a baby. Also, before that, James took a sabbatical. I did, and it
2: was the best thing ever. Uh, you know, look, look at—I've got no lines on my forehead anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably the vitamin C during the day. The main ever. reason. During then night.
0: we sat part one.
1: No, the main reason we didn't have a computer.
2: And then I didn't have my computer. <laughs> so let's just say it was a multifactorial
0: reason. Exactly. Season two—it's like season two of Stranger Things, season two of The Crown. But they, they didn't have—they
1: didn't have a uh, production issues. Game of
0: Thrones. They had many production issues.
1: Apart from the, there's a massive podcast. gaping hole at your it was, name.
0: It's not my fault. You you are non-committal every single time we try and do something.
2: Uh, uh, I back Dave on that.
0: Absolutely <laughs> non-committal. You can't pin you down. Oh my god! And like all good things, you have to wait a year for the next season. It's just it's just the way of the world. Well, but we're still the most downloaded urology podcast in the world, and we surpassed ten thousand downloads.
2: That is that's it's like you've got to earn your season two. Just like you earn your TURP. And I it's think the fans have earned it through their 10,000 downloads. Oh, James has started uh, Twitter. Yeah, Thanks to the fans of Urology Docs. James is now an up.
1: official tweeter.
2: Have yeah, you... I haven't actually made one tweet yet, mainly because I don't know how to.
1: Um, you followed me, but you didn't follow Dave. Was there a particular reason for that?
2: Um, yeah. But you've
1: not and, followed um, me yet?
2: That I am right. now.
0: As well as everyone like rating and subscribing to the podcast, you can follow us at, at doxiology on Twitter, and you can now follow James at, at James Ackman. You've got to help him out. He's only got 44 followers.
1: And you haven't is read that,
2: a Twitter. I, I thought that was a lot.
0: And if we get another, the, the, the math, 42 followers on Twitter, we'll hit a thousand followers, which is great.
1: Ooh. Uh, what else have, what, what else have us three been up to? Well, I'm now, um, I've moved out of Lincoln. And I'm working with my best mate, James. We make a good team, don't we? It is, it is You know what's the best thing? You know when you work with a mate, that yeah. makes a huge difference.
0: Is that like, because you can you can hand over the most horrendous stuff without feeling guilty.
1: A, yes. <laughs> B you can
2: just gossip. There's a lot of gossip going on in that office.
1: C you can just have fun. Like James brings me food, I bring him food.
2: Mm. Yeah. We laugh at each other's letters. <sighs> Uh, Mithin laughed at my last letter because um, I put in the letter, I thanked the patient for teaching me how to make a friendship bracelet.
0: In the letter. I just feel sorry for the secretaries who are typing up your letters. <laughs> like just such a waste of their finger power. <laughs> <laughs> so are we striking? Depends on the strikers, is, isn't it? If it's after my CCT date. I can't, can I? That's no, it's going to be in January. Can, it's gonna be that's a provided January. you it's a January, pass
2: your exam, yeah. Dave.
0: Uh, David's going to pass. He, he's, yes, he's very um, smart. You have made me very nervous. You're, you're very oh, if you're I'm very not smart, as you. no, you're very smart. You've oh got a gosh. massive
2: brain. Can, can we please not go down this route? Oh, you're smart. Oh no, you're smart. You're smart, James. You're smart. Damn it! <laughs> you know, if you talk about how smart you are, well, let, let let's crack on with the episode then. Uh,
0: this week, James. Going to talk us and lead us through something that's particularly uh, important for everybody in primary care because I know we have a lot of GPs that listen. And this episode is all all about hematuria. And can I just say it's hematuria, not hematuria?
1: No, it's hematuria.
0: It's not, it's hematuria. No, it's hematuria. I'm signing off if you say that this episode. It's hematuria. (laughs) How how do you say paracetamol?
1: paracetamol?
0: Paracetamol. You don't say Setamol. Okay, how do you say cl- how'd you say clopidogrel? Don't don't yes. <laughs> oh, just don't be do that guy. Ah.
1: Hematuria. Hematuria. Am I, am I pronouncing it right? Hematuria.
0: Hematuria. Hematuria. Is this gonna hurt? This episode's gonna really hurt. Do you want to hurt? It's not um, gonna hurt say. as much as blood in your wee, though, hey James. I wouldn't know
2: that. Um well, since you guys are in vision mode, why don't I host this session?
0: Yeah, that'd be nice.
2: Yeah, let me talk. Let's talk about, let's spend a few minutes on hematuria. Um, the first thing is for all colleagues out there, there's no such thing as Frank hematuria. Who the hell is Frank? When a, um, a colleague calls us up and says, oh, we've got a patient with Frank hematuria, I, uh, my answer at the moment for the last two years has been, Who is Frank? <laughs> <laughs> For all our listeners out there, we we now know the terms are visible and non-visible um, hematuria.
0: What about macroscopic and microscopic?
2: Oh, macroscopic and microscopic. That's, that's fine. That's
0: old money, isn't it? I think.
2: Um, not Frank. Let's stop using Frank. Who is Frank? God knows. Why don't Dave explain to us? Um, right. What is hematuria? How do we define hematuria?
0: So hematuria is blood in the urine. Nice. Well, hey! Oh, tick. <laughs> Pass. So your hematuria can be defined as either non-visible or microscopic, and visible or macroscopic. And um, you could also uh, describe it as symptomatic or asymptomatic, um, depending on how the patient presents. Technically, depending on various definitions, uh, but the the um, it's more than three red blood cells per high power field down a microscope. So when you use a dipstick test, when you dip the wee. Um, and it's microscopic hematuria, that is, um, when it comes up, one plus of blood, that is at least more than one red blood cell. Um, but trace would be clinically insignificant, so you, you can discard a trace result. Um, we should probably tell the so, listeners so, how dipstick works. Oh, yeah. Jane, go on, how does no, dipstick No, that's,
1: that's, that's really Dave's, Dave's thing, isn't it?
2: Well, I can remember this because I really love the name of this. You I know. think Remind me, because I'm not doing my exam, but he used to deal with the oxidation of the chromogen um orthotolidine and a hemoglobin has that enzyme called peroxidase which works on orthotolidine to change its color
1: correct correct
2: All Right. listen um why don't we have screening for bladder cancer since it's you know so drastic you know people that get muscle-based bladder cancer have really poor outcomes why don't we have a screening program for it dave
0: i'm glad you asked um well as you know as you well know and as i'm sure most of our listeners know screening is controversial um and every screening program needs to fulfill certain criteria you have to adhere to something called the wilson and younger criteria um in the uk we currently don't have a screening program and and this is sort of based off the fact that there are just too many false positives with hematuria testing particularly in the primary care setting of dipstick hematuria um screening leads to significantly unnecessary referrals too many investigations, and the cost at the moment of doing all of that is just prohibitively high. So at the moment, it's mainly cost versus investigation mismatch.
2: How do you know it's high? Where are you getting that um, evidence from?
0: Yeah. So the screening paper for hematuria to know about is, is Messing's paper from two thousand and six. This was in Wisconsin in America, and they gave uh, about one and a half thousand men at dipstick testing to do at home about 16% of them had non-visible hematuria, and they were completely asymptomatic. So that's the first thing. That's interesting. Second thing to say is when they compared it, those men who were screened to the control, and the screened men had 0% cancer-specific mortality over about 15 years of follow-up, whereas the other arm was was 20%. So there is a benefit there to screening these men. However, false positives were 90%. Whew. Not high.
1: Um, you know what was a better answer for that massive two, three-minute spiel that you had, Dave? You could have just said the test wasn't good enough. Boring! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but the people want to know why. Okay, well, thank you.
2: The Urology Docs. Let me give it's you a patient. Bit I'll bit give you a patient. Here you are. Let's call him Eddie. Eddie, okay. 40-year-old gentleman. as blood in yeah. his urine. Yeah. Um. Would that warrant a referral to us in secondary care
1: with visible hematuria? Yeah, uh, well, it doesn't meet the nice two-week
2: guidance, does it? What, so, the, what nice, are the nice guidelines,
1: well, I'm glad you asked, James. Um, <laughs> the nice two-week criteria is for patients above the age of 45 with unexplained visible hematuria in the absence of a UTI or persistent visible hematuria, or patients above 60 years old with unexplained. Non-visible hematuria with a raised white cell count or dysuria. Um, so, although he doesn't meet the 2 criteria, he could meet a routine um, or a routine referral to urology. Having said that, most causes of visible hematuria above or below the age of forty are normally nephrological. So, it's always worth checking blood pressure, urine dip for protein, um, or any family history of renal disease before referring them onto the urology
2: docs. (laughs) The nice referral system, what is that based on?
1: Um, So that was based on retrospective community-based study by the primary care back in 2014. And what they looked at was risk factors for malignancy. And what they found was in patients above the age of 45 and patients above 60, the positive predictive value of non-visible hematuria was high with either a raised white cell count on blood tests or dysuria. So that is where the NICE guidelines has been uh, created from. Now, some of the problems with this is obviously it was one study and no urologists were involved in the formation of guidelines. But I think it's still worthwhile because, as we explained earlier, the risk of malignancy does increase with age. And I hope using a cutoff at 45 would pick up most malignancies after this period.
2: All right. So, thanks for the nice guidelines, Mithun. Well done there. So, they referred to us five years down the line. So now he's whatever. Um, he's forty-five. Blooded in his urine. Um, he's met that criteria. He's had a nice referral on the two-week weight pathway. Your history, Dave. Uh, you want to ascertain?
0: Yeah. So, key things in the history. We spoke about age. So. Uh, has he got any is it symptomatic is it painful has he got any low new symptoms um, because that um raises your suspicion of uh, something particularly in the bladder um has what is his family history cuz very uh, strongly linked with urothelial malignancy what was his occupation again um, we know that's risk factors from exposure to carcinogens in the workplace smoking status is a massive one with a fivefold increased risk and then other things like constitutional symptoms, weight loss, um, cough, hemoptysis, all that kind of stuff.
2: But, right, well, yeah. So um, he's made that threshold. You've, as a brilliant, succinct history uh, examination, um, don't forget that.
0: Yeah. So you're going to examine them, obviously, in the presence of a chaperone, uh, external genitalia, make sure there's nothing going on there. Always make sure that you examine the external genitalia. And then you've got to do a digital rectal exam. Is here's an, here's an interesting point. I'm going to go slightly off topic, James. Before you, uh, before you press me any further, um, are you going to check a PSA in patients referred to hematuria and why?
2: Who First asking? of all, there's no screening for PSA, so I'll only be doing the PSA he's... on patients that I think are high risk. Okay,
1: let's say he's fifty.
0: <laughs>
1: so the nice guidelines suggest that if he's above fifty, you can speak to him about doing a PSA test as a well man's check. That's what we call opportunistic screening. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the incidence of prostate cancer. So from the studies that we're going to mention shortly, um, the incidence is about 1% to 2%. So the risk of finding prostate cancer in a uh, in a hematuria clinic is quite low. Um, secondly, if your DRE is normal, so your digital rectal exam is examining the peripheral zone of the prostate, which is where... Most prostate cancer happens. Does the question is, does PSA detected prostate cancer cause hematuria? I.e., it's very unlikely, isn't it? I.e., the cancer must be originated from the transitional zone. And that's very rare. Yeah. So basically, if you do check PSA in that setting, especially in someone less than 50, it's basically screening for prostate cancer, which requires discussion and consent.
2: Wow. I oh, think that's a very good answer. Well, well, well said. Well said. One top human clinic. So yeah. Eddie has come to you now. Um, you've taken a history, you've done the examination, he's yeah. asked you about PSA. Um, yeah. and you've explained the reason behind that. What investigations would you request?
0: So you're gonna roll out infection, so you need you particularly needs a urine dip, although recent evidence suggests that you can proceed with flexible cystoscopy if they're not symptomatic of infection. But that aside, you're gonna check a urine dip. Um, and then you're gonna perform a flexible cystoscopy. And either an ultrasound. Or a CT urogram. Now, the evidence for hematuria clinics comes from two classical papers um, that I think most urologists are aware of: um, the Kadra paper, which was uh, in the year two thousand, Journal of Urology, uh, came from Newcastle, and the Edwards paper, two thousand six, um, four thousand patients um, published in the BJUI. So, in Kadra's hematuria clinic, uh, two thousand patients all had ultrasound, cytology, a flexible cystoscopy, and an IV uro- urogram. 60% of patients had absolutely nothing found, 13% had a UTI, and 12% were found to have a bladder cancer. Okay. Um, tw- so when the breakdown of numbers, um, if you had non-visible hematuria, um, 10% had cancer. If you had visible hematuria, it was 25% had cancer. In contrast to that, Edward's paper was uh, ultrasound and flexes, and you had an intravenous ugram if you had an abnormal ultrasound. And in that... Uh, paper, which was more patients, it was double the amount of patients, 4,000 patients, 5% of patients with non-visible hematuria cancer, and 20% with patients with visible hematuria had cancer. Damn, son! So
2: which patients do you choose an ultrasound, which patients do a CT again?
0: It just depends on what side of the
1: fence you sit on. So you've got two options, haven't you? As Dave said, you can either do an ultrasound uh, to look for upper tract cancers, or you do a CT urogram for the same reason. Um, perhaps I will argue for ultrasound. I'm team ultrasound. So first of all, Alara principles, as low as reasonably allowed. Ultrasound is cheaper. Um, it's more feasible as a one, one stop uh hematuria clinic test. And the instance of upper tract cancer is low. So it's I think it was about one percent in Edwards and Kadra that you just mentioned more recently and identify as a little bit higher, which may reflect contemporary data. Having said that, ultrasound does lack sensitivity for upper tract cancers. So, in the identified study, it showed that sixty-six percent sensitivity. So, that would be the disadvantage of using ultrasound as a as a
0: primary test. Uh, Dave, I mean, it's difficult because I'm also for ultrasound. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm the, I'm the I, I, so CT you know, you, you can miss upper tract lesions with, without with, when you don't do an ultrasound. Um, it's a very high sensitivity for CT of picking up uh, upper tract lesions. So um, for upper tract TCC, CT urogram can pick up 95% of, of cancers. And that's um, from, from the recent identify study that Mitham mentioned, which was our colleagues in Burst. Um, It's a single visit. You can pick up other pathologies if you're going to do a CT it's validatable, it's reviewable, you can come back to it. But a lot of hematuria clinics these days will reserve grams for those patients with significantly high risk factors for urothelial cancer. I know that's the practice in most of the places where, where I've worked.
2: Namely smokers. Um... Yeah.
0: I mean, so so the thing is, Edward's paper, Cadra's paper, identifier paper have all indicated that upper tract cancer is really rare, it's about less than 1%. And in that... Um, a cadre paper. It was four out of the nearly two thousand patients who would have missed an upper tract lesion if it was just an ultrasound. So, so the risk is very, very low. So in in, in that case, most hematuria clinics these days is ultrasound, isn't it?
1: And I think the other thing to say for team ultrasound is if you get a CT urogram uh, and it ends up being a renal cancer, you've done the wrong test, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah you the wrong
0: phase mean. Yeah.
2: And plus, you know, if someone comes with visible hematuria, then they have a normal ultrasound scan. You discharge them. You just safety net them to say, well, if it, ha- was recur- it happens recur- on a recurrent basis, then you could book a CTogram on that. But mm-hmm. second episode.
0: But here's a here's a stat for you in Identify, which was the nearly ten thousand patients um, from how many countries was it? It was massive, wasn't it? One hundred and ten sites across twenty six countries. What what a paper! Ninety five percent of cancers were picked up with ultrasound and flexi. Decent. That's
2: it's fair. Not bad,
0: is it? See, so the thing is, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. As long as you can argue which we have done, the risks and benefits of both, I think um, you could justify it. And with that,
2: a jingle. Here's a question for you then. CT uogram normal, flexible stoscopy normal. Do you do a cytology?
0: No. No. Because you've got, as we've discussed, a if you've done a CT as well as a flexi, you, your risk of having urethral malignancy is incredibly low.
1: And what, what are you trying to find from cytology?
2: Either high-grade cancer or CIS. Or well, CIS okay. in the bladder, so you didn't have the lovely other adjuncts. Although, so hold
0: on. let's tell Let's tell people what cytology is, because... You
2: know, it's just, isn't it, it's just it's, basically, you're asking you also need to pee, usually in the mid-morning. It's a whole value fluid of your urine, so the whole void. But well, what is it, James? But what is it? It's counting the number of cells, centrifuged urine, isn't it?
1: Centrifuged?
2: I have no idea. I, I'm just Isn't it interesting, just... Interesting. Don't you, just, you, just you just
1: look at the urine under microscope, don't you?
0: I think they are centrifuged, actually.
2: <laughs> well, how are you going to separate them?
0: <laughs> so cytology, urine cytology is a urine sample, essentially, that's looking for, for malignant cells. And um, it can be used as an adjunct to detect cancer.
2: Don't forget, you need to get it to the lab quickly, just like you need to do, like, semen analysis.
0: Yeah, you have to refrigerate it or... Stick it in alcohol or something, don't you? Okay. Is it James? Is it a good test for detecting cancer cells?
2: Yeah, it's not the best, is it? Um, you know, it's got a good low sensitivity. You want but you want the, you want the I want numbers answer, don't you? I want numbers. You want some numbers. We want some you? numbers. I mean to, some to, some to the general public, I would have just said yeah, it's not it's, it's fine. You know, it's not okay. a good test. It's simple. Okay. But as again, you know, as nice say, you can not be used as junk. adjunct. So um the sensitivity on the whole was like around fifty percent. But the specificity for um, high-grade disease uh, can be as high
0: as know, 95%. Where are you getting those that information from, James?
2: Um, detect one study that was published in the Journal of European Urology. Very good. Um, they assessed it using you know the Paris system. And I think they found out that uh, for low-grade tumours, the sensitivity of it is about 16% roughly. For high-grade tumours, in the region of 80%, and for CIS, that's nearly a hundred percent. So, you know,
1: if you don't have any imaging and you get positive cytology, what do you do with the answer? What do you do with it? That's that's the problem, isn't it? Mm, mm. Because
2: you go down, you just enter yourself into a rabbit hole, don't you?
1: Yeah, because it can mean a lot of things. It can it can be false positive in stones, radiotherapy, cyclophosphamide treatment, for example. Um, positive. So you might end up doing test after test after test without well, finding does nice,
0: does NICE say what to do in that situation? Because I know EAU says we're supposed to do cystoscopy and random biopsies. No. NICE was not mentioned. It's
2: hmm. interesting, though. At so, um, what point do we do random biopsies for patients? We just said it.
0: I know you're pissed, all right? But just listen to me for five seconds.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Negative. Imaging negative, ne- imaging negative, see <laughs> negative, but positive cytology.
1: Well, you know, there's the um there is that identify app.
0: Yeah, we should mention that actually. It's it's really good. And even even um our, our GP colleagues should should download it because it is blooming brilliant. So if you go on the app store and type in identify, it's a little it's white good. identify risk calculator. It's a little white app with some kidneys. And you can calculate a patient's risk of having um having bladder cancer.
1: All right, James, so this forty-five uh, year old he had visible hematuria, was he a smoker?
2: Um no because he plays football. A family history? Um none actually.
1: Okay. Previous benign investigations?
2: Um no, because his first okay. presentation. I'm I'm gonna assume
1: everything else is no. Here and his risk is what do you reckon it's is?
2: Well, is he are looking up, up to twenty five percent, aren't you?
1: Oh it's identified says ten. If you're a smoker it goes up to twenty five percent. Wow. Well, that was a good way to end. We've we two twofold we, increase. now. Simon has a ten percent risk of urinary malignancy or genital urinary malignancy. The urology docs.
2: So, uh, in a nutshell, what have we learned? Um, don't forget your Wilson, Younger, your Messing, two thousand six, talking about screening um, a price study um, in our. Communities, um, don't forget the CADRA, Edwards, and Identify. Don't forget the Identify because that's got loads of patients and it was was quite good. And don't forget the Detect paper. Detect, detect, detect.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you've you've succinctly recapped the evidence there, haven't you?
2: Oh, don't forget this, I would say. Um, Before you go to your GP and ask for a two-week wait referral, make sure you haven't had... High intake of beetroot.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> what?
2: Because that happened to my friend. What happened? Um, they had didn't realise they were having a lot of beetroot that week, and ended up having a colonoscopy. He's only thirty three.
1: Colonoscopy. Sure.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah.
1: You can get blood in the back passage from
2: colonoscopy. Yeah. Wow. So make sure you check your plate before you check your bowl. <laughs> I can't wait for episode 2.
0: Okay. James, thanks for hosting today. Um you put a lot of work and effort into it and Absolute um, pleasure. you uh, you delivered that very succinctly, I think. I think I think people hopefully got the message and uh, we've thrown a little bit of evidence in there to to help you understand why we do what we do what we with do. the H- Hematuria clinic.
2: Thanks so much for listening. Um it's been uh amazing you know, having you back and you too as well. It's lovely seeing your faces again in, in this virtual room. I've been your host today, James Ackman. Uh, you can find me at James Ackman or <laughs> um come to Nottingham City Hospital, where you'll find James Ackman. Um I can show you how to do um friendship races as well. But um look, it's a goodbye for me. Um as goodbye from Miffin.
0: Goodbye.
2: Um and another goodbye from our Dave here.
0: Our Dave. Goodbye.
2: And we'll see you next um, for our next episode. See you then. Ciao. I'm going to have some alone time in my empty house.